It's 12.09. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. We are broadcasting, as we almost always do, the first couple segments of the program on uh, live streaming on Facebook Live. So go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Wearing my Packers sweatshirt today. So Eric Bilstadt. Yes, sir. All right. Last night, of course, you had the Brewers, you had the Packers. We're going to talk about all that in, in just a second. But I have a broader question to ask you. You, you, you occasionally attend live sporting events, oh, correct? Sure. Yeah. As a general rule, do you do you stay till the end of the game? Ever since I've become a father of young children, almost never. Almost never, because you got you got to get home <laughs> yes. with the kids. Usually, we see the uh, the sausage race, and then I try to convince them to leave. Okay, if, if it were not though for childcare responsibilities, oh yeah, till the end, till right, the end. Right. I mean, nobody. You know. You now. Now. All right. Um, as you think back on games that you, you went to, maybe where it was a blowout, whether it's football or baseball, blowouts one way or the other, mm-hmm. sometimes you know you, you leave in the sixth or seventh inning. Sure, yeah. And right. football games, you know, if it's, if it's a blowout, you know, your, your team is ahead or losing by 17 or 24 points, you decide, okay, maybe I'll beat traffic and get a head start home, you correct? Know, Packers fans did that on game one against the Bears, you may remember. Right, and, and it, it came to regret them. Mm-hmm. They came to regret it. But at least in that case, it appeared to be a blowout, sure, and yes. sometimes you, you make the, the wrong decision. All right, now, I, I want you to consider another possibility. Let's say you don't have child care responsibilities, and you've been sitting through the entire game, and the game is tied with like four minutes left. Are, are you going to leave at the four-minute mark? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think I would do that. No, you, you wouldn't. <clears throat> right. N- nobody would leave at the four-minute. Well, I, I shouldn't say nobody because we know somebody who has made that mm-hmm. decision. I, I was All right. My, my producer, my producer and friend, Gruel, who I, I asked him yesterday. I said, hey, are you going to the, the watch party we're having and stuff? And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to Lambeau Field. I've got tickets Excellent. to go see San Francisco play the Packers. Oh, cool. That, that, that's great. And we were also talking about how it was going to be, you know, a long drive back and an early morning mm, and all sure, that type yeah. of stuff. But you're going to the Packers game. So he, he goes to the Packers game. And I say to him this morning, boy, that was really an exciting ending, wasn't it? And he kind of looks at me, well, um, we uh, we, we kind of left a little early. What do you mean you left early? Now, I, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe he got disheartened and left when they were behind by seven points or yep, something. Yep. No, no, no. He says, no, we left with about four minutes left. And the game was tied. I said, you mean to tell me you went to that game, you sat through the entire thing, and then with four minutes remaining, you you leave when the game is tied? He said, well, we beat traffic. Did it, did it work? Grew? Did you, you were able to skip traffic? Well, yeah. Well, 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 yeah so it's worth the sacrifice. Well, you, you beat traffic. Yeah, well, okay, well, why bother going to stay at home and then don't have to deal with traffic at all? I mean, how do you walk out in a tie game? Now, again, I, I understand if they're ahead by 10 or they're behind by 10 or whatever, but you sit through the whole thing, it's tied, and you walk out with four minutes left. Now, <clears throat> wow. Maybe some people... <clears throat> Maybe so. You know, and, and he, he's defending himself by saying they're free tickets. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. To me, it, it's it, that's not the point. It, it's not. That's what we call a fixed cost, one way or the other. You know that that money is either spent or not spent. Who walks out with four minutes? Of, well, we know my producer, the four minute man, walks out. <clears throat> in any event, in any event, big night for Wisconsin sports fans. The Brewers. Big win for nothing. The Packers mount a comeback and win 
with a field goal in the last few seconds. Were you even in the car? Did you did you hear it at least? Did you hear it in the car? Oh, you you okay. So you you had enough time to at least get to the car in the parking lot before you heard the car. All right. All right. Okay. So he got at least a chance to to hear it although he missed it in person. But th- this was a huge night for Wisconsin sports fans and there were, you know, choices to be made. Now I understand that, you know, for some people you'd maybe do the picture in picture thing in the TV, but for most of us we had to make a decision as to who which team we were going to watch primarily. Now, obviously, I mean, what what I did last night is I, I chose one of the games to watch. And then, you know, during, you know, breaks or commercials or whatever, I, w- I would flick over and see how, you know, the other team w- was doing. But you, you had to make, I think, for many people, a decision as to, you know, which you were going to watch or try to make arrangements as to um, if, if you were going to try to watch them both. I know some people had had were telling me they had it up on one game up on a computer and the other up on the TV, or they had one on the radio and they were watching the other on TV. But I, I was actually, the numbers are in as to what choices people made in, at least in southeastern Wisconsin, and I find them a little bit surprising. But this is where I want to start the show today. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. By the way, again, we are live streaming Facebook.com slash 620WTMJ. Here is my question. How did you handle the two games, Brewers Game 3 of the National League Championship Series, Packers on Monday Night Football? Which of those two teams did you watch primarily? What was your choice and why? Now, again, I, I understand that there, if you're like me, you're going back and forth. But which of the two teams was your primary watching? Or did you figure out a way to watch both simultaneously? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The four-minute man is lining up the calls. We are back to discuss in just a moment. Which team did you go with as your primary watching and why? 414-799-1620. Back with your calls in just a moment. 1215, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, it was a wealth of riches last night. If you were a Wisconsin sports fan, you had the Green Bay Packers and the Brewers in the championship series going on simultaneously. I understand for most of us, there was a bit of flipping back and forth. But which of those games did you watch slash listen to as your primary one, the Brewers or the Packers? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Chris and Slinger. Chris, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, for the well-rounded Wisconsin sports fan, I think this is an absolute no-brainer. Your primary focus had to be on the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's what it was in our house. Plus, the other reason, too, is the game started a little earlier, so you could record the other one, or at a minimum, you know, I got to watch the end of the Packer game. Right. Um, plus, every time I switched to the Packer game, the uh, Niners scored, so I stopped for a while. <laughs> so you thought you were but, bad. But but your your principal watching thing was, okay, I'm, I'm, the Brewers are going to be my mainstay, and then I'll watch the Packers when I get a chance. Yeah, I mean, with the 49ers being 1-4, and four, and I know it, every Packer game is important. There's only 16, but, you know, the Brewers are in more historic territory right now, so you, I think. Yeah, you just had to be on the Brewers first. Okay, thanks for call. 414-799-1620. Steve, who's calling us from Steve, in Illinois. Steve, what, uh, which, what, how did you handle this? Well, I watched the Brewer game first because, like the other gentleman was saying, it was on first. Uh, and it's been so long since the Brewers have been in a series like this. I mean, uh, last time was 2011, so the Packers have been in so many of them. 
uh, it was tough, but I watched the Brewers, and I switched back and forth, and like he said, every time I switched to the Packers <laughs> game, San Francisco scored, but I, I was able to watch the Brewers win, a little worried about Jeffers, but he did good, <laughs> and uh, then I turned off and turned back to the Packer game and saw Rodgers doing his thing again, so yeah. it was good, it no. was good, it, but it was tough. No, I no, thanks for calling, and, and, and with, I mean, like I say, it was a... Uh... Just a great night for Wisconsin sports fans. Of course, what I find to be interesting about this is it's a Packer, and I understand, like the first caller said, you know, it's it's a Packers regular season game, and there's only 16 of those. But you know, here you have the Brewers, who you know, as as of going into the game last night, three games away from getting to the World Series, where they haven't been since 1982. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Max in Whitewater. Max, you're on WTMJ. Max. Okay, let's try Richard in Milwaukee. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Richard. I was surprised you didn't bring 620 into the equation because I listened to Euchre okay. on the radio okay, and watched the Packers on TV with a sound down. Okay. It was perfect. All right, and let me just ask you this. When there were... When you heard that there were like like plays, like a scoring play, like Arcia hits the home run or whatever, did you then flip over and watch the watch the replay of that or something? Well, I don't have cable, so I, okay. I wasn't going to be able to watch the game anyway. Uh, oh, and I have listened to Euchre all season, so why mess with the with success? Uh, Richard, I will never talk you out of that. Thanks for the call. No, I will never, I will never talk you out of that. And that's, I mean, that's of course a a, a great way, to, a great way to end up doing it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Sean in Germantown. Sean, you're at WTMJ. Hello. Hey Jeff. Um, yeah, I watched. I, I moved a second TV into the living room, but I primarily watched the Brewers. I had their sound on, and then I had the Packer game next to it uh, with the sound down. But I'm a cord cutter, and um, before that, I could never do that because you can't really move another a second cable box all the way with your TV. But now, now just streaming it online, it's super easy to do. You just move the second TV over and mm-hmm. um, from another room, and you got them both right next to each so other. So you're sitting in the living room, room. And, and you've got you've got two TVs that are going. <laughs> yeah, right next to each other, and I mean it's kind of a necessity because when you're streaming using a streaming device, they don't have the back button on the remote. Right. So it's not easy to flip back and forth. You have to go back into the menu and right. find the channel each time. So almost if you want to do it quickly it's almost a necessity just to bring in a second tv but but your but your primary do, so. but your primary attention was on the brewers yeah it was on the brewers definitely okay so. thanks for call which which is which is interesting heather and franklin heather you're on wtmj good afternoon good afternoon jeff um my husband and i were at the packer game last night and the two gentlemen in front of us were streaming the brewer game on the <laughs> <Okay>. ipad <laughs> okay so you were kind so of looking over their shoulders huh Oh no! Yeah, they were. They pretty much were like let us hone in right on their seats. It was, <laughs> it was an experience I can. I will never probably have again in my life. It was fantastic. Okay, Heather, I have to ask you: Did you stay till the end of the Packers game? Absolutely, we did. Absolutely, <laughs> right? Because no, nope. you. It wouldn't occur to you, even though you had to drive home today, you know, and even though you had to drive home last night to get to to Franklin, you weren't going to leave. You wouldn't leave with four minutes left when the game was tied, right? Are you kidding me? I, why would you give up on Aaron Rodgers? Come on, guys. Like, there's no reason to walk out of the Packer game. No offense to your, uh, the gentleman you work with, but four minutes, you, you, you can't get that four minutes back ever. <laughs> Absolutely. No, thanks for going. No, you can, you can offend him. That's all right. No, that, that, that's it. He's got broad shoulders. And when you leave a Packers game, Heather, Heather's dissing you there, there, Gru. All right. But you deserve it. That's the bottom line. Okay. Now here's why I bring this all up. Because I, I love the Green Bay Packers. I, I do, I do, I do. 
and I am a huge Brewers fan. For me, it was it was Brewers, and again, this is the way I did it. I was I was in in the den, um, and I was I had actually I had on the internet up. I had like the play by play going through the Major League Baseball site or whatever, so I, I could see what was happening when I would flick over to the Packers. But but the Brewers were my primary watch thing because again we're in special territory here. I mean, this is. Then the Brewers, what they've been in the National League Championship Series. You got to go back to what 2011. They've only they haven't been to the World Series since 1982. No, I'm I mean I'm watching playoff baseball in October. No disrespect to the Packers. I'm a huge Packers fan, but I I would check in when again between innings and things like that. I was I was Brewers all the way. What surprises me to an extent is the numbers are out, and those of us for whom the Brewers. Were the primary view the watching the Brewers primarily on TV? We were in the minority. Now there there is a caveat here, and that is that the Brewers were on Fox Sports One, so you you needed to have cable or the ability to live stream or something. They weren't on the over air the broadcast. The Packers were on Channel Twelve and they were on ESPN. So theoretically, there's a larger number of people who could watch the Packers. But here are the preliminary numbers, according to the Journal Sentinel. The Brewers' 4 to nothing victory over the Dodgers had an average 25.3 household rating. That's pretty big, meaning 214,000-plus households were tuned to the, the game. On the other hand, the Packers, they had a um, 337 Combined rating from, uh, again, Channel 12 and ESPN. So there were two platforms you could watch them on. But they uh, they did, again, the Brewers' numbers were 25.3. Packers' numbers were 33.7. That translates into about 286,000 watchers. So the Packers drew, I don't know, somewhere around 70,000 more households in the Milwaukee area that were watching them. And candidly, that surprises me. That surprises me a, a lot because it, it is, in fact, playoff baseball. And of course, you also had the Packers. That um, well, I mean, let's face it. This year's Packer team is struggling, even though yesterday's game was great. I I went with the with the Brewers as my primary, but for those of us who did, we were apparently in the minority, which again demonstrates that this is a great baseball area. But football continues to be somewhat of a religion. So more people watch the Packers. Be curious to see if there's other conflicts, whether or not that continues to be the case as the Brewers march through the playoff continues, which is what we are going to discuss when we come back. The Milwaukee Brewers team that can't get any respect. Stick around. It's 1227. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, we're live streaming on Facebook.com. 1229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's a 2-1 series lead, and Game 4 looks like it'll bring another bullpen game for the crew. We know Gio Gonzalez will get the start, but who should be the first arm out of the bullpen? Greg Matzik is live from Dodger Stadium, and he'll share his idea tonight at 6.07. All right. I, uh, especially during the playoffs, I, I, I take in a lot of the national media, and I'm not just talking about like the ESPN and the Fox Sports 1 stuff. I read a lot of the national commentary, and I, I, I listen a lot on my free time to like the, the Major League Baseball thing on satellite radio. And I, I will tell you, one of the frustrating things for me, and this is just this isn't just here, knock the chip off my shoulder. I'm from Milwaukee. 
listening to the fawning that goes on by these national analysts about the Los Angeles Dodgers is gag-inducing. It is gag-inducing. Now, here's the reality. The Brewers won 96 games playing in the toughest division in the National League. The Dodgers won 92 games playing in a division where, well, there's some cupcakes that, that are there. Brewers, I think, played a tougher schedule. They won four more games. But if you listen to these national commentators, and like I said, I don't care whether you're talking about satellite radio or Fox Sports 1 or you're reading the commentary in the USA Today, the bias for Los Angeles is incredible. Our very own Jay Sorgi has a piece up on our website. All the analysts on Fox Sports 1 last night, all of them, all of them, predicted the Dodgers were going to roll over the Brewers last night. And that has been the attitude since the start. This is a Brewers team that gets no respect, at least in my opinion, from the national media. I don't think they've been on the radar screen all year. I listen to some of the national commentators. I don't think they they don't know how to pronounce the names of some of the players. And in general, they are kind of clueless. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Obviously, locally, we know how good this team is. Are you as frustrated as I am with the national coverage of the Brewers? 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's a text. Yeah, I'm frustrated. The glory will be to win the whole darn thing. Here's what I posted on Facebook a week ago. Go Brewers. Underestimated. Overlooked. Keep flying under the popular kids' radars and win it all for the small markets. And again, I I, I appreciate that there, there might be some exceptions. But as somebody who takes in a lot of, of this media, and I'm talking about the print media, the electronic media, 80 to 85%. Yesterday, if you listen to it, you didn't even have to play the game because the Dodgers had this phenom, this Bueller kid pitching. The Brewers wouldn't be able to hit him. Chashin, Chashin couldn't get people out. No problem at all. The Dodgers were going to roll, and then they were going to go on. Maybe they'd be winning the whole thing. All of those people are eating crow today. Every analyst at uh, Fox Sports 1 predicted the Brewers would lose. They were wrong. This is a team that has gotten no respect at all. They're not on the radar screen because we're from flyover country. And I guess it's getting a little bit frustrated to me. Mary in Heartland. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. I agree with you, Josh. I think they're underrated. My husband and I thought the same thing. And it's frustrating, too. Ortiz, I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really speak fluent English, so to put it bluntly, and then to not even pronounce the names right in Rodriguez. <laughs> and they were almost chuckling after the game last night because Jeffress had a rough outing. Right. And it was so frustrating to watch. It's like, you know, just like they, you can definitely tell they wanted the Dodgers to win and they don't even know what to say about the Brewers. Right. And, and I see, I, I, I bet you most of those people never watched a Brewers game during the course of the year because all you do is you watch the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and the, you know, the Los Angeles team. I, I was, I was in Europe last week, but somebody was telling me, you know, Bob Costas apparently kept calling, um, Aguilar Aguilera or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. And so it's so frustrating. And it's like, then I find out that BA, He's over on the American League announcing, isn't he? Right, Brian Anderson, yep. Yep, and so he's not even over here, and it's just frustrating, I think, because as a sports fan in general, um, I think that you should gravitate to a team like this. Um, for Even for those guys that have played the sports their whole life, you would be, you know, just 
ecstatic that there's some team. It's a great story. You're, you're right. It, it, million versus their 200 million salary. Right. It, it's it's a great story. I mean, it really is this kind of David and Goliath thing. But again, I, I, there's this huge larger market bias that's out there. And I, I think a lot of these people don't follow the team, have never followed the team. So what they do is they get their little like sheets that the producers write out for them, and they read the yeah. stuff off it. No, and no, thanks for calling. And drive. I mean, I, I if if you were driving past me on the freeway while I'm going home or something, and, and you find myself, and you, it looks like I'm yelling at the radio. That's because I'm yelling at the radio because again, I have some national commentator from Sirius or something that's just talking about. Oh, I don't think the Brewers are going to be able to hit this guy, and you know, and they, they don't like the way Council plays the game. They might respect Craig Council, but they don't like the idea that, oh, you, you bring in these pitchers and they get a couple outs at a time. That's not how it's done. The teams that win the World Series are the teams that have the great starting pitching and, and this, this new revolution. Oh, this is just this new trendy thing. And you know, Clayton Kershaw, the great Dodgers pitcher, on his way to the Hall of Fame, he's going to dominate the Brewers. That's going to be a quick two wins. Where are they going to get the other ones? And they don't even acknowledge this cluelessness that they're just wrong they don't appreciate how good this team is and yes if i sound a little frustrated and i sound like i'm venting that's exactly what i am doing here's the text thank you yes 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 absolutely no reflection don't know how to pronounce pronounce names only reliever they can talk about is hater and then to question council's decisions on when to use him bueller must be the next nolan ryan to hear them talk unbelievable that's what i was hearing yesterday matt downtown matt you're on wtmj Hi, uh, yeah, I uh, I totally agree with what you're saying. I I was seeing that yesterday from uh, from ESPN. They had uh, the Dodgers winning uh, last night's game six to zero, and then even after you know what we've been seeing from the Brewers, uh, they have the Dodgers winning tonight uh, six to three. Um, so I mean, so, you know, you're you're seeing um, you know a lot of the the narrative that like you know can the Brewers be hot? Can they ride this hot streak and beat you know? this huge runs, um, you know, run scoring Dodgers team. Right. And, and it's like, you know, we were very hot. I mean, absolutely. But this is more than just a streak. And this is more than just, you know, October luck. Yeah. I mean, I mean right. A, Matt, let, let's look at this. Up and down the lineup. Yeah. I mean, let's look at this. Okay. The Brewers play in a tougher division than the Dodgers do up and down, you know, so they play, you know, baseball, you've got this unbalanced schedule. So the Brewers, you know, they're, they're playing the Cardinals and they're playing the Pirates and they're playing the Cubs, all teams that are well over 500. That's the toughest schedule in the National League. And the Brewers won four more games than the, than the vaunted Los Angeles Dodgers with their $220 million payroll did. But of course, they're, they're not on anybody's radar screens because, well, you know, TV, the TV people live in Los Angeles or they live in New York. So they're not paying attention to the Brewers. And, you know, and again, it's just, I guess I'm, I, I'm venting, I admit it, but and maybe I've got this chip on my shoulder. But this is a great story, and you know, people should be talking about how exciting this team is to come out of nowhere and be doing all this great stuff instead of, well, they're lucky and they're they're riding the wave or whatever. Absolutely, and um, and you know, one one thing that I did think was interesting is, uh, you know, you bring up a good point. The Milwaukee Brewers don't give as many nationally televised games, so you know we are riding a little bit on, uh, under the radar if you're not from around the area. Yeah. But I mean, you look at our our pitching staff, which has been given you know great credit, you know, absolutely been given the respect. But even even with our pitching staff, you had um, you had predictions that you know the Dodgers bats are just too hot. Oh, yeah. They're just going to be scoring too many runs. But then you look at the past two games, and it's yeah. just not 
not the yeah. case. No, thanks. I don't exactly. I mean, and look, and look, is it possible that LA is going to come back and 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 win the series? Yes, I, I guess it's possible. I I respect them. They are a good team. What I am frustrated with is the lack of respect that our team is getting. A team that had a better regular season record than the vaunted Dodgers, and at least as of right now, is leading in the series, guaranteeing that, you know, worst case scenario, there's going to be a game six in Milwaukee. And candidly, candidly, were it not for, you know, one bad pitch in one bad inning, the Dodgers would be trying to win tonight to avert a sweep. This has been, the Dodgers have been, at least in my opinion, completely and totally outplayed by the Milwaukee Brewers. But don't expect to hear that if you tune into the national coverage. Um, here's a text. I'm sick of hearing the national media keep on insinuating that the Brewers are overachieving, lucky, and that NFL likely manager of the year, Craig Council, supposedly doesn't know what he's doing. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And, I mean, this is, I guess this is what you come to expect when you have this great local team that's on the national stage. But I'm frustrated with it. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, let's talk to Dan in Greendale. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Hi, Dan. I think, it's, I think it has a lot to do with the West Coast uh, biased media. Mm-hmm. Huge market out there. You know, I don't think, I don't necessarily think they're, they're dogging the Brewers. It's just they're really hoping for, the Dodgers to get in there so their ratings are greater. Mm-hmm. Look back on when Kansas City won the World Series. Great World Series, but very low ratings. Yes, um, right. I mean, that, right. The, the the ideal, the dream of the networks is Los Angeles, and now that new, it would have been Los Angeles and New York. But now that Los Angeles, uh, the Yankees are out of it, the, the dream is the Dodgers and the Red Sox, you know, two of the yep. larger media markets, Houston and Milwaukee. Oh my gosh. That, that's, it's flyover country. How can, you know, what's that going to do? So I, I think you're, you're probably onto that. Thanks. I mean, the Brewers were, okay. Sunday night baseball is ESPN's featured thing. It's, it's sort of like Sunday night football. The Brewers didn't play on Sunday night baseball. They weren't scheduled any time this year. I mean, seriously? How many times can you watch the Yankees play the Boston Red Sox? 414-799-1620. Mike in Waterford. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I think the part of the problem with the analysts especially is that they don't know how to analyze a team like the Brewers. Right. They're completely different. They do the analytics. Like, who who announces the bullpen as the starting pitchers? Yeah. Only the Brewers. And so these guys that have played traditional baseball in traditional cities with traditional teams with the big starting pitching, they don't know what to say about them in the first place. Right. And they still can't grasp the fact that they're winning that way. Yes. It's almost like when the West Coast offense came in and nobody believed that the San Francisco 49ers we're going to be that good because how can you do this with this dink and drive and no running game and stuff like that? No, and saying I, it's I, a new I, way of playing baseball. Right, and and I, I agree with you, Mike. Except I, I'm willing to make a prediction if the if the situation were reversed and the Brewers were the more conventional team with the starters that went seven innings and the Dodgers were the ones that were pushing the envelope and all this stuff. My guess is that the spin would be how incredibly unconventional. They're rewriting all the rules. This is the future of baseball. Oh, Look yeah, at what a visionary Dave Roberts no is. That that would be the big the big story. And and I think I don't think they like the fact that this new way of playing baseball is coming from Milwaukee. Yes, 
Absolutely. No, thanks. I think you're exactly right. They resent it. They don't understand it. And they, they, okay, this is just not the way it's done. And and here you have this little team out of Milwaukee that's been able to do this. And I I just, look, I, I understand I'm venting. (laughs) <laughs> but but as somebody who's been a long-suffering baseball fan for a long time and a huge Brewers fan, I think this is a special season. I, I, I do. And it has frustrated me all along that this team isn't getting the respect that I think it deserves um, outside of Milwaukee. Now, as long as they keep winning, it, it doesn't matter. And see, that's, that's, I guess, the bottom line. Keep winning, and, you know, who cares – you know what anybody else thinks, but I think the coverage of the Brewers and the national commentators and the left, uh, the left, the the left coast bias that you've seen towards the the Dodgers has been just appalling. And I understand that you know you can pick and choose, and somebody oh that's a great game or or whatever. But just just watch, look at the criticism of the council gets for the different decisions he makes that that end up that end up working. That, that end up working, because what the Brewers are doing right now is something special. Look, and I fully understand Dodgers can maybe go ahead and win three in a row, and then they go on to the World Series, and we'll all be sad, even though it's been a great year. But, I mean, this this is an incredibly good story. It's a wonderful story, and it is unfortunate that that story is not being told to the national the national audience on, on a better basis. So, I mean, look, the, the answer to all this is, of course – just to turn down the sound and turn up WTMJ and listen to Bob and Jeff do the call. That's, of course, the answer to it. But it doesn't change the frustration that I have listening to a lot of the commentators who don't know the Brewers, don't like the viewer, the Brewers, don't know anything about Milwaukee, and desperately want to see the Los Angeles Dodgers win. Well, maybe they're going to get their wish, but I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know, every once in a while the good guys win and maybe... Some of the announcers, the Joe Bucks of the world, the Bob Costas of the world, maybe then they'll even have to figure out how to pronounce the names of some of the Brewers players. 1249, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1252, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's a text. Yes, they are frustrating. Even after the victory last night, they were talking about how the Brewers shouldn't be managing with a nose in the iPad and abusing the bullpen. What do you expect from these panels? They are clueless, and I'm happy. I want to hear how... As it is after we win the National League Championship Series, we'll still be second-guessed. Yes, that is that is the case, because if you are a team from Milwaukee that plays in an unconventional way, well, you don't get any respect. Part of the thing, and again, I, I fully appreciate the Dodgers can come back and win the next three games in a row. I, I get it, but I, I, I love the way that they're turning on each other now. Story about this Enrique Hernandez. He's one of the Dodgers outfielders. Well, you know who he's partially blaming for the loss yesterday, Grew? He's blaming the fans. He's blaming the Dodgers fans. Now, the Dodgers went 0-4-10 with runners in scoring position, struck out 14 times to this Brewers pitching staff that gets absolutely no respect um, after the loss. Hernandez, this is what he says. He says, well, we had no energy, but the stadium had no energy. The fans had no energy. Overall, it was a pretty bad game for everybody who calls themselves Dodgers. Okay. Yeah, this, this is it. You go 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. You strike out 14 times. Who's to blame? Well, it's those fans who aren't cheering loudly. Now, this sounds like a team that, look, and I understand it, it, it can all turn around and there, there's no question that that is a possibility. Brewers need to win two more games, but yesterday was a big win. And candidly, the Brewers have outplayed the Dodgers all three games. Like I said earlier, were it not for 
one bad pitch and a second bad inning, you know, the Brewers are going on for a sweep. Now, don't expect to hear that if you listen to the national media, but we know that it is the case. So game four tonight, uh, maybe the best thing to do, and maybe maybe that's what I just need to do is therapy, and that is the, to stop listening to the national media and just respect that what's going on here in Milwaukee is very, very special. And, of course, you can hear the game this evening on WTMJ. All right. I feel a little bit better now that I vented. So thank you for joining me in my vent. 1255, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We, we just heard the ad from for Governor Walker from former Governor Tommy Thompson. Scott Walker has a, a I don't know it's really an ad, but it's something that's up on Twitter that I, I will play for you. It's only 21 seconds long in the next hour. I think... I think if it's not an ad, it should be an ad because I think it is incredibly powerful. Are Wisconsinites so wrapped up in the Brewers' postseason run that thoughts of the upcoming election are getting pushed aside? Is there anything candidates can do to stay on top of mind? Uh, let's see. Gene Miller will have a discussion of that tomorrow morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Walker ad. But we start off horse face and tiny. The latest developments stick around. Just when you thought it couldn't get stranger, it has. 1258 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Very glad to have you with us. I I understand that what I'm about to say is going to make some people's heads explode, and I apologize for that in advance. But I I think the last couple weeks, I I think President Trump has been doing a pretty darn good job in getting some attention. Obviously, getting, getting Brett Kavanaugh through the U.S. Senate narrowly, but still getting him through, huge, huge accomplishment. I think, you know, Trump has taken the right tone. If you look at the, uh, his, his approach to trade wars, which, you know, and I'm, I'm not a fan of getting into trade wars, but his let's talk tough attitude has, I think, done well. I think it brought Canada in and I think you've got a deal that's percolating that's going to be a lot better for the United States than, than NAFTA was. Um, Trump, the, the reports are he's raised over a hundred million dollars for his reelection campaign. I, I think it, it's been, even his staunchest opponents would have to acknowledge that it's been a couple good weeks. Now, even when you had the stock market just go into the dumpster for two days yesterday, uh, last week, you know, you, you, had, you had Trump who was blaming the Federal Reserve for that. And I think that might have gotten some traction. By the way, for, for everybody who, who panics when there's a bad day in the market, one of the reasons why all the financial advisors – tell you that you've got to be in it for the long haul and that you can't panic is because for every day, like there were two days last week, which admittedly were brutal, there's days like today. Dow Jones right now is up 477 points. The NASDAQ is up 192 points. Percentage-wise, that's a 2.6% increase. And, and here's the thing. If you panic after a bad, it's, it's why financial analysts all say, you have to be in this for the long run because if you react to a particular day in the market and, and you get out, oh, my God, the stock market went down 1,400 points over a three-day period. And look, and I understand, believe me, I understand how frustrating that is. But if you panic, 
And you say, okay, I'm, I'm getting out of the stock market. I'm going to, I don't know, take all my money in cash and put it under the bed or whatever. You, you end up missing days like today where, you know, the Dow's up 470 points. Who knows where it's going to finish? And the NASDAQ up 188 points. If, if you pull out your money, you, you miss those big days. That's why they say over time, you, you end up, you know, whether you're a bull or a bear, over time, you, you end up, you know, making money in the stock market, but you, you can't react to, what happens on a given day, and, and today is, again, the, the indicator of that. You know, if people would have panicked and pulled a large chunk of their money out of the stock market based on what happened a couple days last week, you'd miss market rallies like this. I'm just saying. All right. So in any event, I, I think you know, President Trump has had a, a good couple weeks as a general rule. At the same time, he still has a tendency to, I don't know, pick fights that are absolutely beyond me. And I want to discuss something that's going on now, and if you turn on the Talking Head shows tonight, you will see a lot of it. All right, Stormy Daniels and her sleazy lawyer, Michael Avenetti. Stormy Daniels is, of course, the pornographic film actress who says back in 2007, I was reading some report that's describing her as, as, as President Trump's alleged mistress. She wasn't his mistress. Her story is he's at a golf tournament, she's at a golf tournament, they have sex one night. That that's that that is not to me a mistress. It would be a one night stand, although if you believe her, it does not sound like they were standing very much. So that's the deal. President Trump, of course, denies it happened. If it did happen, I don't know. I, I'm not sure President Trump has the ability to have a lot of self-reflection. But at some point in time, in the middle of the night, if it did in fact happen, he's got to be regretting that it did. Because Stormy Daniels, who is the greatest publicity hound since Barnum and Bailey, and of course one of the most dangerous places to be in the United States nowadays, is between Stormy Daniels, uh, her real name is Stephanie Clifford, and, and a camera as she travels across the country trying to Again, give her her career as a strip club entertainer a, a boost, and but she she shows up because she's the woman who says she slept with President Trump. Blah blah, get all these different stories and get the publicity. Well, anyhow, at one point in time, Stephanie Clifford, aka Stormy Daniels, files a defamation lawsuit against President Trump. All right, now I, I'm not exactly sure under the circumstances. Given the fact that she is a publicity hound to the extreme, I'm not sure how you could exactly defame her. But the bottom line was this defamation lawsuit was thrown out by a federal judge yesterday. Right? So President Trump has won. Now, I would argue that if you are the leader of the free world, there's really nothing to gain from what I'm going to call punching down, you know, engaging with a pornographic film actress who says that the two of you had sex 10 or 11 years ago. And and I guess I'm one of these people that argue the quicker that the Stormy Daniels becomes a, a small footnote in history, the better it will be. But President Trump was not satisfied with simply winning the lawsuit. So today he sent out a, a tweet. Here's what the tweet from at real Donald Trump says. Federal judge throws out Stormy Daniels lawsuit versus Trump. Trump is entitled to full legal fees. Hashtag Fox at Fox News. Great. Now I can go after horse face 
and her third-rate lawyer in the great state of Texas. She will confirm the letter she signed. She knows nothing about me, a total con. So he tweets about his this case being dismissed and calls Stormy Daniels, a.k.a. Stephanie Clifford, horse face. All right? At which point in time, um, this brings out a couple responses. Michael Avenetti, who is kind of the sleazy lawyer that represents Stephanie Clifford, he sends out a tweet saying, you are a disgusting misogynist and an embarrassment to the United States. Bring everything you have because we are going to demonstrate to the world what a complete shyster and liar you are. How many other women did you cheat on your wife with while you had a baby at home? He tweets. All right. And then the former adult film star. This would be Stormy Daniels herself. She wades in. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present your president. In addition to his um shortcomings, he has demonstrated his incompetence, hatred of women, and lack of self-control on Twitter again, and perhaps a penchant for bestiality. Game on, tiny. Okay, so we now have the President of the United States calling this pornographic film actress Horseface. We have her lawyer hitting back, and we now have her talking about the president once again and his genitalia. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know about you, but I just want it all to stop. I, I really, I really do. And like I say, I think President Trump's had a good couple weeks. I, I, I do. I think he's gotten back on message. He's gotten stuff done. To me, engaging in engaging with somebody on Twitter like the Michael Avenettis of the world or the Stormy Daniels of the world lowers even among fans of the president. I mean, do you, does he really gain something by, again, wallowing in the mud? He calls her horse face. She then, I mean, she said all sorts of stuff about him, and you, you know that she's a publicity hound and she's not going to stop. But then... Now it's the references to genitalia. And all the while, I'm thinking, we've got a country to run. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess here is my specific question. Do you think President Trump, uh, again, should he knock this off? Is this the type of tweet that you think advances his cause, helps him out, you love to see it? Or is this the type of thing that maybe you just kind of take your victory in court File for, you know, the fees that you're entitled to, declare victory, and go on. 414-799-1620. All right, was President Trump's tweet about Stormy Daniels that then invited the response, was this a good idea? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 118. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 120, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers are hunting for their first World Series title, and the latest Brewers interviews are right at your fingertips. If you text the word PITCH, P-I-T-C-H, to 414-799-1620, you can hear our first PITCH podcast. And don't forget to subscribe for the latest Brewers interviews on your mobile device. Hey, when you're at WTMJ.com, you can also click on our mobile applications. You can download and subscribe to the podcast of this show I know thousands of you do that every um, every month, and I appreciate it quite a bit. So check out the Wagner podcast as well. All right, if you're just tuning in, part one of the dominant stories that this evening on the national news is going to be President Trump 
deciding to reinvigorate the feud with Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels, Stephanie Clifford, is, of course, the pornographic film, quote-unquote, actress, who says she had a one-night stand with the president. She is an enormous publicity hound and publicity seeker. I think the whole Stormy Daniels thing was kind of dying down a little bit. Well, yesterday the president won a court case. Her defamation lawsuit against him was dismissed. And today he decided to gloat about it, taking to Twitter, calling her horse face. She, of course, has now responded with a tweet about, candidly, the size of his genitalia. And here we are. Here we are in America in 2018. I I think... Sometimes it's best just to let sleeping dogs lie, and I don't think the president helps himself by engaging in this fashion with somebody like a Stephanie Clifford. Sherry and Franklin. Sherry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, Jeff, the president has answered this question so many times. Our president doesn't have the maturity or the ability to refrain from this behavior. It's happened over and over and over again. And he also, I think, brought it up because now he has to answer questions about the Saudis, and he wants to avoid that. So Stephanie Clifford has given him an out for that. (laughs) But he really doesn't have the maturity or ability to stop this behavior. Well, you know, and and what's so frustrating, I guess, to me is, is Sherry, that I think think that the the Stormy Daniels stuff it was was kind of on a back burner. I mean, I think she was starting to fade from, from people's minds, and now... Now it's it's back front and center, and people are going to be chuckling about, hey, he called her horse face, or she's making references, like I say, to the size of his genitalia. He's the leader of the free world, for goodness sakes. Why would you give her any more than her 15 minutes of fame? Yeah, he's the leader of the free world with the free world, free world laughing at him every day. Um. Yeah, you, um, yeah so <laughs> you, you might be right that he, he just, thanks for call, can't help himself, which, which is part... Part of, of, I think, one of the frustrating things that a lot of us, a, a lot of us see when we look at, you know, some of the stuff that I think is, is going on that, um, I, I think he deserves credit for, but he kind of steps on his message. Now here, Debbie sends me a text. She says, he is unconventional. I agree, but I like it when he slaps them back. And again, she, she's talking, you know, philosophically speak, you know, you're talking figuratively about that. But I mean, I, I understand his, his supporters and I, I get it. You know, hardcore President Trump fans love it that he doesn't take crap from anybody. And and they love the fact that he's punching down and all that type of stuff. I, I just think there's also this, this broader thing that, that's out there, especially with the midterms coming up. You know, I, I'd like to be on the message of, of the economy. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk about the whole Elizabeth Warren thing and the huge, I think, huge political mistake that she made yesterday that has a lot of her Democrat colleagues going, oh, my goodness, I, I can't believe that you would do something like this. But from the perspective of President Trump, and again, I, I understand that there's some people who love it when he punches back. By punching back in this particular fashion, all you do is you bring this woman who I think most of us just want to go away you bring her back to the stage. All right, here's Greg. Greg says, Jeff, I am admittedly a huge Trump supporter, but I do wonder what he's smoking so early in the morning when he tweets these things. In this case, I like horses, and I think it's diminished, demeaning to the horse. Well, I, you know, look, the, the, the thing is, again, I, I understand that some people love that, that sort of punching type of thing, but but for goodness sakes, sometimes... Can't you just declare victory and move on? Because yesterday, President Trump won a victory. He got her defamation case dismissed. 
he won. And I guess I always get frustrated a little bit when people from time to time win and then end up at least managing to seize defeat or a, a tie out of the jaws of victory. Um, here's another text. So shocking. Adults who enjoy watching other adults be schoolyard bullies. And we wonder what's wrong with this country. All right. 126. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And, and by the way, for people who think that making, I don't know, maybe political mistimings is unique to the Republicans or unique to the president. A huge error, at least in my opinion, made by a prominent Democrat yesterday. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes as well. Stick around. 126, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 129, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. There's an interesting story in the Milwaukee Journal that kind of ties into something that I've been suggesting to you for quite a while. That this The Couture development, which is supposed to be the big thing that went in where the, the bus depot, the bus transportation turnaround center at the lakefront was, it, it's in trouble. Um, it, it, it's in trouble. The developer appears to be grossly underfinanced. Um, that the county sold him the land for well below the real market value of it. He sold them the land, and this is that that prime lakefront real estate. Um, they sold it to him for five hundred thousand dollars, and the idea is that you know you would be able to. He would be then developing this large high rise now. Part of the condition of this was that the, because it was sold for so far below market value, there had to be a trick. Keep in mind, it was a, it was a bus turnaround. It was that bus center. There had to be a transportation component to this. And so what they said is, all right, here's what we're going to do. We'll we'll run Tom Barrett's trolley folly. We'll run the trolley into it, and therefore we'll be able to keep over $6 million that we would otherwise have to pay back to the federal government. Well, the problem is guys having trouble getting some of the financing, some of the federal loan guarantees are tied up with HUD. And as it stands right now, what they've had to do is they've had to really, the the city is now, I I think, in various stages of concern, I think would be fair to say, as to whether the guy's going to get the development off the ground. They've had to give him a couple extensions. There's hope. They're they're hoping that something must happen, but, but hope doesn't really feed the bulldog. And if they can't get the couture underway, it puts, I don't know, Tom Barrett's trolley folly and the streetcar additions into a serious question. And it does make you wonder how long the city of Milwaukee is going to carry this on without being able to recognize that, that maybe they need to find a new developer if this thing's going to happen. But the clock is ticking. The hope was to have the trolley running there by 2020. And as it stands now, there's nothing other than the fact that they tore down the old bus turnaround center. And other than that, there's not the type of development um, that they had expected to have happened by now. And it's very up in the air as to whether that's going to happen any time in the near future. This is a huge story to watch because the Couture development, again, was one of the keys to this whole downtown renaissance. And I think there's a lot of people in City Hall that are starting to wonder whether this has been screwed up in a big way. It's... It's 136, Jeff Weck, WTMJ. Elizabeth Warren is an uber left-wing senator from Massachusetts. She also is one of those people who looks in the mirror every morning and sees herself as the president of the United States. And, and she's, she's about as far to the left as, as you can get. 
uh, without, I mean, completely crossing over into the the full-blown socialist aspect. And she wants to be president desperately. She has been dogged by claims over the years that she has made claiming Native American ancestry. And and this is this has caused President Trump to mock her. He calls her Pocahontas, and she doesn't like being called Pocahontas. And a lot of people kind of roll their eyes because Elizabeth Warren is a very very white woman, and that comes from the perspective of a talk show host is a very very white guy. All right, now I, I suspect if you traced my genealogy back generations and generations and generations and generations and generations. Maybe somewhere along the line, you could find some tie to some uh, ethnicity or uh, a minority group or something like that. Maybe if you go back far enough. I mean, at, at the end of the day, if you believe in Adam and Eve, for example, well, we all trace back to either Adam or Eve. You know, that's that's just kind of the way it works if you go back far enough. So uh, Elizabeth Warren yesterday, who and again she wants very much to be president, she announces. That she has, she's had her DNA tested. And the, the DNA shows that, well, her, her report says that there is strong evidence that the senator had a Native American somewhere in her family tree dating back six to ten generations. Six to ten generations. So this means, if you accept this as accurate, it means that Elizabeth Warren is somewhere between one sixty fourth and one one hundred thousand okay, between one sixty one sixty fourth and one one hundred thousand and twenty fourth Native American, depending on how distant the relative is. So it's again, you've got to go back six to ten generations. Best case scenario, she's one sixty fourth Native American. Worst case scenario, one one thousand and twenty fourth. But by any stretch of the imagination, whether there's some tiny trace of again Native American DNA in her ancestry, it's not like she has any sort of you know common experience with the Native American experience, you know, in America in two thousand eighteen. Well, anyway, since she came out with this. She has been mocked by both Republicans and Democrats. Um, of course, you know, President Trump hasn't backed down on this. A number of the Republicans are pointing out that, okay, here, here she might be one 1,024th Native American, and, and she's saying, okay, this, this shows that I have, you know, some degree of Native American ancestry. A number of true Native Americans are saying, some teeny tiny portion of DNA six to ten generations ago doesn't mean that you're Native American, and it doesn't mean that you can relate to the experience. And a number of Democrats are saying, my goodness, why would you do something like this a few weeks before the midterms when, you know, now this, all this is going to do, for for example, Jim Messina, who's the former president, former campaign manager of President Obama in 2012, he says, argue the substance all you want, but why 22 days before a crucial election where Democrats must win House and Senate to save America, why did Senator Warren have to do her announcement today? Why can't Democrats ever stay focused? All right, 
414-799-1620. And by the way, a number of members of Native American tribes are denouncing this as well. They're just like, what, what does, what does this mean that somewhere generations and generations and generations ago, there, there might be a, a tiny bit of, in this case, Native American blood in, in your, in your background is, what, what if instead of, again, the Native American claim, what if this was, well, we can find maybe some, you know, African blood in your claim. Does that mean that Elizabeth Warren has some sort of significant tie to people who were enslaved in the 1700s? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I, I looked at this, I shook my head because going back six to ten generations in an effort to try to claim that, you know, you somehow can relate to the problems of a particular group, in this case, Native Americans, I, I think it's just absolutely ridiculous. I think Elizabeth Warren, over her career, has been an opportunist um, on a level of some other prominent opportunists. And this idea that here she's going to try to put to question, put to rest questions of her ethnicity by releasing something like this, I just don't think people care. And candidly, I think it makes her look ridiculous. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was this a mistake by Elizabeth Warren? Are, are people going to somehow say, oh, okay, 10 generations ago, there might have been some Native American DNA. Well, okay, now we understand the claims that she can relate to the problems of the Native American community because she's got some Native American blood. Really? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. It's 142. This is Jeff Wagner. Like I say, I, I think if you go back far enough, I, my guess is you, you can, you can find almost anybody that has, I don't know, some sort of DNA that came from somewhere. 414-799-1620. It's 143. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 146, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. See, to me, what, what Elizabeth Warren did yesterday demonstrates that this sort of entitlementality mentality that you see. She puts out this, this story saying, all right, I've had a DNA test, and it shows that maybe, maybe somewhere between six to ten generations ago, I might have had some Native American, Native American blood. All right? To which, and how does that... What is that gain? Actually, one of the tribal spokesmen says, this says it all about Elizabeth Warren. Using a DNA test to lay claim to any connection to the Cherokee Nation or any tribal nation, even vaguely, is inappropriate and wrong. Senator Warren undermines tribal interests with her continued claims of tribal heritage. I mean, in what world do we say, hey, I'm 164th this, or I'm 1,024th this, so that means... I somehow am part of that minority community, and I understand it? Really? 414-799-1620. Bill in Mount Pleasant. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, My wife, we were just talking about this yesterday because we thought it was actually funny. My wife and I both did an Ancestry.com test. Right. And my wife uh, is actually a Canadian citizen. Yeah. But uh, uh, her, her third generation her great 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 grandmother was actually a native american so we know that for a fact uh you know from not right. di- this now that's three generations ago not six generations correct. okay and got she, it and she said she was eight to nine percent native american now most of the people that came that are native american or came through 
also might be Asian because they came across the Bering Strait. And they walked all the way from Asia, all the way down to South America. You know, but uh, really the whole point is that she's trying to use something that is so vague and as a minority point, you know, and a political point, which is showing how shallow you have to go to. Yeah. I mean, is that all you are? Is that, I mean, is that your well, whole but, premise? Well, well right, know? right. And also, does that... Does that tie you in? All right. Are, are you familiar with the? Can, how do you relate to the Native American experience by the fact, the virtue that six to ten generations ago, maybe you had a relative who, you know, was was Native American in, in some small part. I mean, it's just it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, your wife, I assume, would not claim that she can relate to the Native American experience, would she? Well, no, but yeah. she looks like she's an Eskimo. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Now, thanks, well, I th- thanks. Well, I th- well, Elizabeth Warren. I, I mean, and look, and this is from the perspective of a really white guy. I mean, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Im- <laughs> I don't think anybody would mistake Elizabeth Warren for somebody you know who grew up on on an American you know Indian reservation. I just that's just not the case. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Russell in Brookfield. Russell, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, this woman is doing it. And she's getting a tremendous amount of name recognition all across the country. It's like Gwen Moore here does these preposterous things and gets all this free publicity from being talked about. And it just, you know, it's free advertising. And all she has to do is just say something ridiculous like this and get free advertising. It's just preposterous. Well, I mean, yeah, th- thanks for calling. But here's what I would say. For, for anybody who says that there's no such thing as bad publicity, they've never had bad publicity. I mean, because the, the reality is, in this case, I mean, clearly Elizabeth Warren did this because she wants to run for president. President Trump has been calling her Pocahontas, and she wants to demonstrate that, no, this is untrue, that I really do, you know, when, when I have made these claims in my past about, you know, having this Native American, you know, blood in my bloodline, that I really do have it. Well, it turns out it's absolutely ridiculous, that, and it, it again, it, it's not like saying, hey, you know, my great-great-grandparents were, you know, slaves or something like that. I've got, and so... I've I've grown up with this bias and prejudice, and I can relate to all the different struggles that people are having. That that's not this. This is six to ten generations ago. Most people are looking at this, I think, and rolling their eyes. And, and candidly, I think she played, and I I have, I think she played right to President Trump's hands because by by putting this out, she's made herself look ridiculous. And if you're planning to run for the president of the United States for the presidency, I think in many cases looking ridiculous is the last thing that you ended up wanting to do. In in any event, I guess ultimately it's up to the voters. But I will tell you this. This has gone over like a lead balloon. And um, even a number of Democrats are saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we're trying to focus on this or that or the other thing. And now the story for today is how one of the leading candidates for the Democratic nomination for president in 2020, she's out with some DNA kit complaining and saying that I I might be one 1,024th Native American. So that, that means I can somehow relate to the problems of people who are, in fact, Native American. Big, big, big mistake by Elizabeth Warren. I think she has made herself look ridiculous, and I'll go one step further. If she now decides, after previously saying that she wasn't going to run for president, to run for president, 
I think this kills her. I think she has killed her presidential campaign because she has made herself look ridiculous. And there are other candidates out there who will be glad to point that out. It's 152. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, um, one of the things that tells me that maybe that this blue wave that everybody was predicting might not be emerging, at least to the extent some people thought, is there is this national campaign that is going on to try to scare people about Republicans and about health care. And what you're seeing is these generic sort of claims that are being made against Republicans across the country and in, in Wisconsin saying, hey, if, if these people continue to get elected, they're going to take away insurance coverage for pre-existing conditions. Of course, a pre-existing condition is something, you know, you, you've got diabetes, you've got cancer, whatever, and you lose your insurance, you're not able to get any back. Now, as far as I know, there's no Republicans out there that are suggesting that we do away with coverage for pre-existing conditions. They're simply saying the way Obamacare does it is wrong. In Wisconsin, before you had Obamacare, you had coverage for pre-existing conditions that they dealt with it through things like Badger Care and the like. But this is the attack that, that's being made. And to me, on a, at one level, it shows kind of this desperateness. It's sort of like what we saw over the years for if the Republicans get elected, they're going to eliminate Social Security and we're going to take um, elderly people in their wheelchairs and we're going to push them over the cliffs. I mean, that type of thing. And that's been one of the challenges that's been made against Governor Walker. Oh, he's he's... He wants to eliminate insurance coverage for pre-existing conditions. Well, he's put out something on Twitter. Now, this is on Twitter. I don't know if this has been formed into an ad yet, but this has been one of the most, this has been one of the attack points. But he came out with something yesterday that if this isn't an ad, it should be an ad. It's him sitting in a Green Bay Packers jacket. It appears on the back of a bus. It only runs 21 seconds, but this is, this is the Governor Walker Twitter response to the claim that he wants to eliminate coverage for pre-existing conditions. Here's the audio. Hi, I'm Scott Walker. My wife, Tanana, is a type 1 diabetic. My mother is a survivor of breast cancer. And my brother has a heart condition. See, covering pre-existing conditions is personal to me. Plus, it's just the right thing to do. As long as I'm governor, I will always cover pre-existing conditions. And that's it. It's simple. It is straightforward. And I think incredibly effective. And if I were to be giving advice to the Walker campaign to the extent that they see some sort of vulnerability, I, I would turn this into a 30 second ad or a 60 second ad. And, and I love it. He's just looking right at the camera and he's saying, OK, my wife's got this condition. You know, my brother has this condition. I, I, it's ridiculous to suggest that I would take insurance coverage away for people with these pre-existing conditions. But this is one of the big lies that ends up being out there. The idea that, well, because you don't agree with Obamacare, because you think Obamacare has been a disaster, because remember, you were promised that you could keep your doctor and, and you can't keep your doctor, uh, to say that, well, if you're going to repeal Obamacare, that means that you're automatically going to lose coverage for any pre-existing condition. It, it's, it's not true. It is a non sequitur. 
Nobody is suggesting that, again, you would lose that. And I, I think it's important for Walker to come out and say this. And I, I love this this little 21-second thing that they put up on Twitter because it's him looking directly into the camera saying, this is my personal situation. These are the issues I face. This is just a lie. Now, he doesn't use the word lie, but this is not true. And I think this is a very, very effective ad to the extent that they might think the governor is vulnerable on this issue. Again, If you look at insurance in the state of Wisconsin, I firmly believe that we were so much better off before Obamacare. Most people get their insurance either through their private employers or, you know, through Medicare. For the relatively small number of people who got insurance in the private market, we used to have so many more choices. And for the people that did have, for example, the pre-existing conditions, well, then they could go into that state pool. More and more choices Lower costs. Obamacare has not, in my opinion, been good for the state at all. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That, that whole area, uh, you know, the I-94 between the Milwaukee County line down at the state line with all the construction, seems like it's an ongoing sense of nightmare. We we got back from our trip to Europe on Sunday evening, and it was, a, it was, it was a, like 24 hours of traveling. So we fly into O'Hare. Get on the buses and are going up, and we're there. You know, different people from the group were going to be dropped off at different places, and all everybody wants to do is get home. All everybody wants to do is get home, and we were like at a dead stop going northbound on 94 because of road construction, and it added like an extra 30 minutes to just. And everybody just wanted to get home, and I, I, and I. I the frustrating thing is, I didn't even see where the the road construction was. I couldn't tell why it was as slow as it was. Well, Melissa has this report that now there's a, a problem, uh, an extra 30-minute delay, traffic southbound on 94 near Ryan Road. We're looking at it with the traffic cameras, and it appears to be, it, it's tough to see exactly what's going on other than the fact that you can see the traffic just isn't moving. Just just one quick segment. If anybody's out there, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. If you're stuck in this area, what? How long have you been stuck in, and what precisely? What precisely is is being on here? Um, let's see. We've got texts that are coming in. Um, I wanted to add that there are vehicles, or at least a vehicle that appears to have gone off the freeway, forty five south, uh, just south as I pass through the freeway. Solid backup. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. If you happen to be, and you can make a set call safely, if you happen to be in this area. We're getting reports that it is an extensive backup. What's going on? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We always try to do this as a way to alert people to perhaps try to figure out a way to avoid this. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line. Looks like it's been a really bad afternoon on the freeways so far. Let's start with Dave, who's calling us from Illinois. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, Jeff, I just came through that area, and there's a three-car pileup on the right lane um, right before Ryan Road. Right. They're trying to clear the cars out. I, I took Drexel over to 27th and got around it, um, but uh, it, that's the problem, and I think there might be injuries there. It just happened as I came down that way from Green Bay. I mean, I, right. it happened there, so that, that that's why it stopped. I think they're trying to clear up the carnage and you know get the road open. Right, yeah, and it's look, and it, it appears to me it looks like there's the flashing lights. So it's a multiple. What you're saying is it's a multiple car pileup is going on. Right, and it's probably injuries. So um, 
And then when that happens, they need to really take their time to figure out what happened. So sure. it's probably going to be down for a while. Absolutely. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, let's see. Here's a text. Just got through in the northbound lane vehicle on top of the median concrete. So bit of a mess. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you've just gone through that area, and we we do this occasionally because it appears that just 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 happened, and we try to do this if you happen to be out and about in that area to tell you what you might be looking for, what you might having to be dealing with, because again, it looks like it's a backup, at least delays of 30 minutes so far. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, uh, and we'll try to get you a couple alternate routes as well to avoid completely ruining your day. George, George, you're on WTMJ, good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's going on? Uh, well, I'm in the back end of the traffic, so when I came up to go up 43, I saw uh, squads going down that way, and then now I'm coming back, heading towards Illinois for work, and it's just backed up way past College Avenue now. Okay. Um, I'm I'm by the Rawson exit, and everybody's trying to get off, and there's two lanes. They're actually in the uh, side lane, trying to get off the freeway. Right. Right. So it, it's not going anywhere, and everybody's trying to get off the freeway, which sounds like very good advice right now. Yeah. And honestly, 27, I, I live in the area over here. I live off Ryan, and 27 is a good way to get around it. But 13th Street, even with their construction, it's going to be it's going to be bad. Got it. Okay. Either way. Uh, thanks for the call. I guess the lesson is try to avoid this area for the foreseeable future. Chris and Franklin. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Chris. I'm not driving in that area. Sounds like you are. Yeah, I I took the Orion Road uh, exit to get to Franklin. So if you're south of uh, Orion Road and you can get off at uh, Highway 20 and come up 13th Street, that that would be my advice if if people are listening that far back. Good enough. Okay, good enough. But bottom line is Major League Backups, um, figure an alternative route. Yeah. Um, thanks for the call. Let's see. Here's a text. I came from Seven Mile Road heading north on 94. There was a Tahoe and a small SUV up on the middle wall. Must have happened on the south side, but they're on the middle wall. Huh. Um, just got through the northbound lane. Vehicle on top of the median concrete. Um, absolutely. All right. And a uh, number of squad cars as well. I think there's another backup southbound on 45 as well. We'll bring you continue updates on the traffic, but there are some messes on the roadway. So my advice is uh, kind of think about alternative routes if you have to be out and about. All right. When we come back, if you are older and you're looking for a job, are you being discriminated against? I'm going to tell you about a story, and then we're going to discuss. Stick around. 214, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Here, here, here's the reality. The the recession of a number of years ago impacted a lot of people. It caused a lot of people to delay their retirement plans, caused a lot of people to dip down. You know, money they'd saved from retirement, they ended up spending it to kind of live. And, and so a lot of people, now maybe they're working longer than they had originally tended to work. In addition, what happened is during the recession, a lot of people who were perhaps older ended up losing their jobs. And I, I think as much as, as anybody, it, it's the people who are in maybe their 50s and 60s who've had the most difficult time trying to get comparable type of, of jobs. 
there are laws that say employers cannot discriminate against people based on, on their age. And yet, I think a lot of us believe that those laws are very, very difficult to enforce and that a lot of people are, in fact, discriminated based on their age. Let me give you a story. This is from the Chicago Tribune the other day. Guy's 58 years old. He, he's a lawyer with a lengthy record of success. He's got decades of experience. He was a general counsel at Dean's Foods. He was the CEO of a dairy products trade group. And, and he was trying to, he lost that, those jobs for whatever reason, and he was trying to get something comparable. Well, he couldn't get anything comparable. So he decided, well, all right, I, I'm, I'm not going to be in a position where I'm general counsel for some large company. But you know what? I, I still know my stuff, and I, I'm not at the age of 58. I'm not ready to retire at this point in time. I don't want to start drawing down my retirement money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lower my expectations. I'm going to work at a job that I don't want to say beneath him. That's not what I mean. But he, maybe he's he's arguably, arguably overqualified for the job. But you know what the heck? A job is a job. So he starts looking for corporate counsel type of jobs, and he finds this job that's advertised. It, it's they're looking for a senior counsel position at um, a medical technology company, um, and it's okay. Well, this, this looks like something that I I could perhaps do. And then he comes across the ad. The ad says, looking for senior counsel, three to seven years experience, but no more than seven years of relatively relevant legal experience. So three to seven years, no more than seven of relevant legal experience. And the guy says, wait a minute. You know, what, what do you mean? I understand a minimum that you want, okay, somebody that's worked in the field. Three years of relevant legal experience. That, that's fine. But what do you mean no more than seven? What should you care? I mean, what if I've got 25 years of experience? You know, it, it, doesn't that make me arguably perhaps more qualified? Guy never got an interview because he has more than the seven years of relevant legal experience. And now he's turned around and, and he, he's filed a lawsuit saying this is blatantly, this is blatant age discrimination. You know, they're, they are saying that, you know, they, they don't want somebody because by limiting somebody at the top end to a seven years of experience, what they're saying is we don't want anybody who is older. We don't want anybody who has more experience. And this is, I think this is bringing up that this whole issue that a lot of older Americans are, are finding that you go in for the, these jobs and, you know, you're just not getting in the door. Because despite the fact that the law says hey, you can't discriminate against people based on age, that is precisely what is happening. And maybe it's because the employers who offer health benefits recognize that somebody who is 60 may be, and I say maybe, may be statistically more likely to, I don't know, draw down on health benefits than somebody who's 30 years old. Maybe it's because they figure that, okay, if you get the job at 55, maybe you're going to only stay 8 to 10 years Whereas, you know, if we're looking for somebody who's going to be a part of the company for decades, you know, we're, we're better off going with somebody who's 35. But this is, I think, in many respects, a real problem that older Americans are having as they jump into the job market. Now, it's very, very tough, I guess, to prove it. But in this particular case, the guy's saying, hey, I, I've got I've got objective evidence of this. They're telling me 
that I am essentially overqualified for this job. Well, who are they to tell me that? If I'm willing to do it, what should it matter? What they're really saying by putting a limit on the amount of experience is they don't want older, more seasoned people. I want to open up the phone lines. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you this anecdotally. My sense, and this is just from, from conversations that I have had with people over the last several years, that even in a job market where, you know, we're nearing full employment, that from the perspective of people who are older, and again, I'm talking about in the 50s and 60s, but not ready to retire, and uh, again, willing and able to contribute, there there is an incredible anti-slash-old bias that is there, and that you have employers, maybe subtly, maybe not so subtly, who are essentially saying, we're not interested in older workers. Have you found that to be the case? 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, I mean, I understand that there were a lot of jobs, for example, that have just disappeared that were occupied by people who might have been in their 40s and 50s, and, and those jobs are gone and those jobs aren't coming back. But have you noticed a reluctance or do you believe there is a reluctance on the part of employers to hire people, uh, again, who are in their 50s and 60s because despite what they might be willing to say, they truthfully just don't want to deal with older, but, you know, not retiring Americans. Let's start with Diana in Hales Corners on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Diana. Um, you're talking about my life story right now. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm living the dream. <laughs> or not. Or the nightmare, huh? Yeah, I'm living the nightmare. That's a better way of putting it. I lost my job in October of 2017. I still don't have a job. I have applied to many, many, many jobs in between. I've had a number of interviews. Some were a good fit. Some weren't. Some was someone I got there. I realized it wasn't what I wanted. Others, I would have liked the job and didn't get the offer. But there were so many jobs that I would have been perfect for. It was like they were writing my job description, and I never heard a word. Hmm. I turned, I was 58 when I lost my job. I turned 59 in June. And... I, I know it's age. I'm sure that's a big component of it. I missed a job a few weeks ago, and it was me. It was up to me and two people. And the feedback I was getting from them was that they really liked me, but then in the end they gave it to somebody else. Who was presumably younger than you. And I, well, I saw one of them. I saw the last person that was coming in for her second interview when I walked out the door, and she was quite a bit younger than me. And I thought, okay, there you go. Now, I don't know that to be a fact, but I think it is certainly a component Right. Well, and that, I have a lot to give. I'm an extremely hard worker. I'm very dedicated. I'm not screwing around on my cell phone a day because I still use a flip phone. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 the real deal, but nobody will give me the chance. Right. And I, I think see, and I think there is that frustration. I mean, I understand. You know, it, it sounds like what's going on is it it, it there's, you can't discriminate against people based on age. But the problem is, how do you prove this? I mean, oh, and that it. right. And and how do you if if you were to first of all, how do you prove it? Secondly, um, you know, it, you you presumably since you're out of work, you don't have the wherewithal to go hire a lawyer that's going to you know then file the lawsuit and things like that. I think this is going on a lot. I think there is blatant age discrimination when it comes to people trying to get jobs and this argument that well maybe you're overqualified for a particular job. Well, nuts to that. I mean, if if you're willing to work at the job, you would think that somebody would love to have somebody who's overqualified. Yeah, and this. 
story that you led with, you know, where they didn't want anybody with more than seven years of experience. That's kind of funny because I never thought about that. But my own mother, my 92-year-old mother pointed this out to me when I was reading something to her. It was like two to five years of experience. And she said, well, you've got way more than five years. Will they even look at you? Yeah. And I said, oh, I think they're just saying, you know, they want at least that much. But you know what? Now I'm thinking maybe that is what they're looking for. They don't want somebody more qualified. They don't want to pay more. Well, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I, I mean that... I got to tell you again, and this is this is just you know take it for what it's worth. But when when I saw that, when you think it through, if you say you, I, I mean I I understand a minimum. You you know you, we want three years because okay, so you know what's like in the field. But why put a maximum on it? I mean if you can you can get somebody who's willing to do the job for whatever you're offering and it's got thirty years experience. Wouldn't you love to have that experience? Why put that maximum on there? You would think so. You would think they would want more experience. And the thing is. That whole story about, you know, you also pointed out people being in a job, you know, if they're 55, that there maybe only will be there eight to 10 years. You know, I've got definitely six years of employment left, possibly eight, depending on whether I go to my Social Security retirement age. Right. I'm going to be there that whole time. If they hire in some little millennial, in two years, they're going to get disgusted and look for something else. Well, right. Well, right. There's no guarantee that somebody's going to stay at a job. I mean, you... There's no guarantee. You know, you, it doesn't matter whether you're 60 or whether you're 30. There's no guarantee. You're exactly right. I mean, somebody could turn around and say, "All right, I'm, I'm leaving in three years." Th- thanks for the call, Dana. H- hang in there. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right. Have you gone through this? I mean, it's the nightmare that she says that she is living. I think there's a lot of other people that are as well. We continue the conversation. It's two twenty nine. This is Jeff Wagner. Two thirty six. Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. Let's go right back to the phones. Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Um, there's definitely age discrimination. I mean, anyone over 50, especially white males, are nobody's popular hire. I work in the healthcare field. I've been working down in Gurney, Illinois, for the past uh, six and a half years, even though I live in Wauwatosa, because um, their market was tighter when I was looking for a job back then. I have interviewed with any number of people, including a couple prominent healthcare companies in Milwaukee. One of them I had an interview set up, walked into HR. There's a note on the window that says, you know, uh, ring the bell when you get here, just have a seat, we'll be out. Did that. Uh, first person comes out, can I help you? Yeah, I'm here for an interview. Really? An interview? I said, yeah. And she disappears. A couple more people come out. And pretty soon, lo and behold, the person I was supposed to interview with wasn't available. Hmm. So I talked to one person and she says, you know, if we don't get back to you in a couple of days to finish the interview, give us a call and give me her card and didn't hear in a couple of days, called back a couple of times, emailed a few times, never got a reply at all. And you're convinced it was because of age. I am absolutely convinced it was because of age. Yeah. That that just you know, even in the area like healthcare where people are desperate to find people who work in the healthcare industry Right. Um, the, yeah. Thanks. No, I mean, I, I think. See, this the story that you tell. I, I think is a story that a lot of people are 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 finding, and it's very very difficult to prove that there is in fact age discrimination that that's out there. And and look, and, and I understand that 
All right, there's always, I, I understand that, you know, you somebody comes in and they, they might be overqualified for a job. The employer might say, well, I don't know, why would this person want to do the job? Well, who knows why they might want to do the job? It's like, again, like in the case I was telling you about, guy's 58 years old, he's had a, a huge legal career, can't find stuff that's on a comparable level, but he's not ready to retire. So he says, yeah, I'll, I'll do this stuff. If people are willing, if they're qualified to do the job and they can, and they can, they're willing to work for the money, well, all right, should they be allowed to be discriminated against? Roger in Green Lake. Roger, you're on WTMJ. Hi, um, hi, this is Roger. Yes, and I was, uh, well, I was a construction worker for quite a few years, and I turned 64, and my son took over, took over the job, and, um, and I was looking for something to do yet. I wasn't ready to totally sit back. And right, sure. There, there was a factory job available in a uh, city close, close by, so I applied and I got an interview and um, passed a background check and and passed a passed a physical and I was I was hired and I um, I, I started the job and I worked for approximately six weeks and then on the last few minutes of my one. Uh, and then my shift, uh, the foreman come in and said, after today, we won't need you anymore. And I said, gosh, why is that? Um, did I do something wrong? Is there something I didn't do? He says, no, you're you're doing a good job. Well, then I said, why are you letting me go? And he wouldn't give me an answer. So mm-hmm. I called Human Services the next couple of days and went around and around with those, and no one ever gave me a real good answer. So I finally filed a filed a case. Um, Age discrimination. Right, right. But um, I couldn't have any proof. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, there was a ninety-day grace period before you were able to join the union. You know, right? Yeah, you were a, you were probably a probationary employee stuff, but you're convinced it was because of your age. They could just find somebody who was younger, right? Because I could see how much product that I put out, and I knew what the other shifts before and after me put out, and I know I was producing as much, if not more, than what they were doing. But I I feel it's a lot of a lot of it has to do with the uh, factor of the health insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean that you're. I mean, thanks for no. I mean, I, I get it. That I mean the the idea number one that if you hire somebody who's older and and it's not necessarily the case. You know, somebody that's thirty five years old can develop a serious medical condition. But the idea that somebody who's sixty years old, for example, going to be a bigger draw on health insurance and things like that. I I think this is one of the subtle things. And it is subtle, and it's difficult to prove, but I think it is going on in American workplaces today. Julie in Brookfield. Hi, Julie. You're on WTMJ. Hi. <laughs> what do you think? What do I think? Well, I'm going to give a little bit of a different perspective. Um, first of all, any kind of discrimination, very bad. But it definitely happens on both spectrums of age, right? So young people get discriminated against. They either don't have enough you know, experience right. or they look too young. They're not going to be taken seriously. The other thing is, as far as the attorney where it was, you know, the, the three to seven years of experience. Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, the company policy could be that they have to pay someone a certain amount based on their experience, and they just don't have that in their budget. And then the other issue is, well, if this guy gets hired and he's got, you know, 20, 30 years of experience, and his immediate supervisor only has maybe 10 to 15, what kind of a working environment are you creating there that can create a lot of problems too well but then then you but now but but see that what you're saying julie that then that's just kind of carte blanche for for discrimination because that that's almost always going to be the case if you reach a certain point you're in your 50s or maybe your early 60s chances are if you go to a new place you're probably going to find a supervisor who's younger than you are that's just kind of the reality 
So, I mean, if, if that's the case, right, right. then, I mean, no older American could ever be discriminated against because they're always going to be working for somebody that's younger than them. Correct. But then maybe someone who has 20 or 30 years experience, right, so maybe they shouldn't be applying for those jobs. Well, or, or no, no. I, I, mean, I see, see what you're saying. Yeah, you see, because my, no, my argument would be that, that you, you know, obviously you as the older employee, you know, as the person in their 50s or 60s, you have a responsibility to adapt to the to the culture. And if you come in and say with the attitude of I know more than my supervisor or whatever, that creates an issue. It it could. Right. No, it it could be. And and that perhaps is a reason for saying, look, this isn't working out after they try it. I guess I just don't. And that's maybe even a reason to some a question you ask during the interview process. Are you sure you really want to to do this? You know, you've you've had these high level type of jobs. But I just don't think you should be able to simply say, no, just because the supervisor is 40 and you're 60, you're not going to get the job. Right. I agree with you. Okay. But again, I, I guess I've seen it personally. You know, somebody maybe mm-hmm. a little older, more experienced. It shouldn't be that way, right? That's right. Under somebody who has less experience. It really shouldn't be the, the dynamic. But I've seen it happen. And then, of course, they create a really bad environment, right? Well, well so, no. So-and-so uh, thinks they know what they're doing. And I'm trying to, you know, run this company. And, well, I've had 30 years experience. And, you know, right. Well, I mean, and then, and thanks. I mean, I, but in that case, I mean, I guess, like I say, if, if there turns out to be an actual, you know, that happens you know that happens all the time, and I guess my 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 only point is after you've done so. I mean, I've been here for twenty years. All right, so it's it's not surprising that the people you know our, our program director is younger than I am. You know that that's that's the deal. You know, a lot of the management staff is younger than I am and has less experience. But it's all that's I think that that's the whole thing that you have to kind of work stuff out. And if you are the older employee. The, you you have to be willing to say okay well there's there's new ways that you're going to do certain stuff and you have to be open to that and you can't just dig in your heels and say nope I've been doing this this is how we did it 25 years ago and this is how we're always going to do it well that's a recipe for failure but at the same time simply because you've got more experience than say your supervisor I mean look when I was in the U.S. Attorney's office I was a supervisor and. I was younger than some of the people that I was supervising, and I, I don't know, and I had less experience, I guess, than some of the people I was supervising. But it's just something that you 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 know figure out a way to you know work out. Again, I I don't know how this particular lawsuit's going to turn out. There's some there's some intricate legal issues as to what does the law say and who can bring lawsuits and stuff like that. But I, I do think this is one of the recurring issues that we're facing in our society, namely. The fact that there is, I think, sometimes subtle, sometimes less subtle discrimination against people as they get older. And it's one of the huge undercovered stories that out that are out there. 250, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. There is an extremely interesting and, in my opinion, very undercovered story going on in Milwaukee City Hall. You have Tom Barrett, who is, of course, the, the mayor. And Tom Barrett has various department heads who he has nominated the common council approves him but but they in essence report to the mayor right he the mayor is is the boss and we've seen that some of these department heads have done a crummy job the health department has been an absolute mess for the last several years you've got the whole problem you know with lead in the water and all that type of stuff it, it, it's been a problem. But the mayor is ultimately, because the mayor is the elected official, 
the mayor is responsible and, and he's responsible to the voters. If voters get upset about the way, you know, a particular that the city is being run, it, they take it out on on the mayor and the department heads have reported to him. The common council, which has the ability to approve, you know, say yes or no to department heads, the common council in Milwaukee is now sort of flexing its muscles. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to create a position of an inspector general. And the inspector general would be located in the clerk's office. And the inspector general would essentially supervise, but would have the ability to oversee and monitor the various departments that are under the control of Tom Barrett. Okay. Eric Bilstead, breaking news. Yeah, Jeff. We have a large fire near Chase in Oklahoma. This is near a recycling center, according to Milwaukee Fire. And this is a big one. There is black smoke that can be seen for miles. I want to bring you a little bit of sound I got from a... I just spoke with this gentleman on the phone. He is describing what he is seeing right now on the south side of Milwaukee. So I got on the highway in Waukesha on I-94 heading towards uh, downtown Milwaukee and from the highway rising up from under the trees is just a giant blue plume of black smoke heaving into the air and it looks like it's somewhere maybe towards the south side of milwaukee maybe by the lake but it is so huge i can see it from the highway in Waukesha. give me a little bit of a locator again i know you i'm asking you to repeat your all right so this is me talking and this is near chase in oklahoma again on the south side near the airport a recycling fire According to Milwaukee Fire, when we spoke with the fire chief, the deputy fire chief, Melissa, was speaking with him while they were still responding. So we don't know yet the significance of this fire, but again, a large fire near a recycling center at Chase in Oklahoma right now on the south side. And you couple that with all the other traffic mess that's going on, and it is an absolute nightmare. All right, we'll have an update in just a couple minutes of that. But if you're wondering what the black smoke is, wow, I just saw some of the pictures of it. It is. It looks like... It's a recycling fire is what it is, but it, there's black smoke visible from all over. We'll give you an update about what's going on there. Again, I just want to finish my thought about this inspector general. Common Council wants an inspector general that would be located in the clerk's office to essentially, well, they would have the power to investigate the various departments that are out there. Well, that's the last thing Tom Barrett wants, an inspector general looking over his department. He's worried that it could be a political weapon. He vetoed the Common Council's resolution. The Common Council overrode his veto. So now you've got an inspector general who will be located in the clerk's office reviewing the work of the mayor. This is not going to end well. All right, it's 2.54. When we come back, we'll find out what's on the agenda for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.